Yes, God, we just recognize this morning again your rule and your reign. We acknowledge that your kingdom is a dominion that knows no end. And it is our joy to, to serve you, to, to honor you in this place, to honor you with our lives. And so as we open up your word today, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that our lives and our actions, our attitudes would be, be transformed, would be informed, would be reformed by your, your word and the truth that we find in your word. God, we thank you that you are here in this place, that you are drawing us to yourself. You are a, a good father who sees us and knows us and who, who, whose intentions are for our good. And so we trust you this morning, God. We trust you as we ask you to lead us and to have your way with us. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Welcome to church. First of all, our youth, our middle school youth, you are uh, free to go uh, to your life groups this morning. So middle school, if you've not already headed out, you can go at this time. Have an awesome time. Uh, my name is Travis, the, the lead pastor. So thankful that you're here. I, uh, I love this church family. I, I love uh, the opportunity to, to do life uh, with this body of believers. I love the opportunity to worship together, uh, to, to come before God and, uh, with a submitted heart and just say, God, where would you lead us? God, what would you speak to us today? God, in what ways do you, do you want to, uh, to, to work in and, and through uh, this family? And it's such a joy to, to, to journey with you and God. Um, today we are starting a new series called Through the Noise. And it is, it is uh, no surprise, uh, it is not a new concept that we live in a digital age that is full of noise, full of voices, uh, full of opinions, filled with things that are vying for our attention and our affection. And as we were preparing for this fall back in the spring, we sensed that God was wanting to sound an alarm. Not, not an alarm that we're not aware of, but sound an alarm that would help us to respond, to wake up to the slumber of, of the, the, the trap, entrapments of the digital age, the ways that we get pulled in and drawn in to the noise, the cacophony of noises and voices all around us. And it's really something that may affect us in different ways, different propensities, different uh, uh, avenues that we, that we take or lend our ear towards. But it is something that we really believe, uh, no matter the generation, no matter the personality, is, is something that we all deal with in our world today. And that God, in His mercy and in His grace and love, is sounding the alarm for us to, to bring, call our attention back to Him and wake up from our slumber. As a kid, I, I grew up in a small family. It was just my mom and dad and my brother and I, who he was four years younger than I. We lived in a small rural farming community. And so uh, for all intents and purposes, it was a pretty slow paced, quiet life, certainly as compared to the life that many of us know here living in the, the Phoenix metro area, the fifth largest city now, I believe, in the nation, and, and the, the, the now digital age that we are consumed by. And, and so one of the highlights for me being an extrovert was when our family would come to town two or three times a year, all the cousins, aunts, and uncles would get together. And uh, if you know me a little bit, I'm a kind of a competitive person, love uh, act activities, sports, competition. And, uh, and so that was my extended family, more so than even my immediate family. And so when we would all get together, I mean, it was one game, one tournament, one event after another, volleyball, foursquare, basketball, tennis, ping pong, tournament that would get dark you know lights would come on outside on the courts or games would come it was like non-stop and for me it was like heaven it was like this is amazing so from that point forward I wanted a big family lots of kids we could play games all the time and uh, I've made it we, 
And now I'm living my childhood through my kids who I'm, uh, now are all competitive in their own right and love playing games and participating in activities. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, in your happy childhood memories that you forget probably by the grace of God is some of the, the challenges with all that. One of the ones we found being the volume in our home. There, there is just a, a constant uh, noise in our house and We've yet to identify an introvert in the family, and so everybody is always, always talking, always wanting to be, we'll have people, we love having people in our home, and, and really everybody afterwards, uh, went, uh, other than Joy and I, who are like, whew, okay, that was fun, let's, let's rest. The kids are, are literally the same evening saying, so when are we going to have the next get-together? We're like, are you kidding me? Like, or, we've been with people all day or whatever, and, and so uh, we, we love that, but, uh, but there, there are times where with, with six children that uh, Joy and I are just like, we, we just, we need quiet, you know, like just this, just quiet. And maybe because there's more noise uh, in, in our home, we, we're, we value it that much more. I remember a time just probably as a couple years ago now, just one of those uh, parental moments where you, uh, you say, okay, everybody outside now. Everybody, for the next 30 minutes, nobody's coming back in this house. Play in the dirt, find some sticks, do whatever, be creative, but don't come back in this house for half an hour. Okay, and so we, 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 we give that, and, uh, and we go, we're just like, sit back on, on the bed, and we're like, oh, we need to breathe, we just need some quiet, when, when all of a sudden we, we hear the noise penetrating inside, no open windows or doors, we just hear the noise, and, and all of a sudden, we, uh, we're like, are there, are there neighbors that have come over, like, are there neighbors in the backyard, what is going on back there, what are the friends that have come over, and so I peek through the window, uh, and it's just loud, in fact, we're like, it's like there's a daycare in our backyard, but I peek through the window, and it's just our kids, and so we're like, okay, this is just our life for the next decade and a half or whatever, you know, like this is, this is, this is going to be our life. We, we, we have a daycare as, as a part of our house. And, uh, and so we're, we're searching for those moments of, of quiet and, and not only that in our family, but, but we love it. We, we, we love the integrated community that, that we feel like we have the privilege with, with this church family and, and others to, to, to live life with, uh, to have in our home. There's activities that we participate in in with others that we know and uh, friends that coach their teams and coaching other friends te- and and uh, we love those activities for our kids the the life lessons that they learn about how do we win how do we lose and, and do that with a good attitude uh, what are the things that we learn about being creative or interests that that are developed and how do we do all that we do for the glory of God and and so there's different activities and things that we're always involved in there's a lot of noise and a lot of activity and that's part of life. And, and I would say that, that all of that noise is good noise. I, I don't know what else to call it. it it's noise. I, I can guarantee that. But it is it, it's, it's a good sort of noise that, that, uh, that rings of, of life, of family, of, of community and friendships. And sometimes it's messy and uh, sometimes it's joyful. Sometimes there's, there's bickering and arguing and, and everything in between. Uh, but, but it's the, the activity of, of life and life in our home. And so we, we rejoice in it. But even in the good noise, we, are, we have learned and are continuing to learn that that has to be monitored. That, that has to be evaluated in every season of life. At what are we giving ourselves to? Is there too much activity? Are there, is there too much uh, spread in, in our lives where we're not able to, to, to keep Jesus central? Is there so much noise that are we getting spread so thin that the values of, of the kingdom or the values that, that, uh, of the kingdom within our family that we feel called to to really model are, are getting a little watered down or a little, getting too scarce. So it's even in the good noise that we have to take opportunity to, to evaluate, to be intentional, to ask God to lead us and to guide us in the, in the daily activities of life. Okay, so we, we can identify with some of those things. Maybe you don't have six kids in your family. Maybe you have an empty nest now, but you have kids nearby. Or you have family and birthday parties that you have to attend and places you have to be or work events. We, we all have them uh, in, in our lives. And then 
add to that just the, the community and friendships and family, the noise that has engulfed us as a result of the digital age, and it can be overwhelming. It can be really overwhelming. It can be deafening at times. And I want to read a, a passage of Scripture to us uh, that I believe God wants to use to set the tone for what he's inviting us into in the midst of this world that we live in. And so I want you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. I know uh, we've been in John all summer. I, I did get let in on that. I haven't been here, so I didn't get to preach any of it. So I'm going to go back and get a little of that. No, Adam did a great job uh, five or six weeks ago talking out of John 15, and we're not going to be there the whole time. But I, I wanted to reinforce something that he spoke on out of John 15, verses 4 and 5, and, and let it set the tone for us today. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. I'm going to keep reading in just a moment, but uh, I just want us to think about that for a moment. Abide in me, and I in you. These words of Jesus, the one by whom and for whom and through whom all things have been made. Jesus, who is the king of every king who has ever lived, who is the Lord of glory, this Jesus extends what I see as an invitation to us. Won't you abide in me? Many of your Bibles may translate it, remain in me. It's the idea of staying connected to Jesus. And he's inviting us into this place of constant friendship, relationship, connectedness. Will you sit with me? Rest in my presence. And, and not only you coming in and, and, and quieting yourself so that you might rest in my presence, but recognizing that I am in you. That I am, uh, my heart and my desire is to, re- to remain connected to you. It goes on and, and, and says, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we find this farming analogy where God has already been identified as the, as the great gardener. And then Jesus, in this analogy, is, is the vine. And we are the branches that are, that are connected to the vine. The vine is the source of life. It's the, the source of nutrients. Any branch that gets disconnected from the vine, we, we would go on and read it, it withers up. And it's not really good or useful anymore for producing fruit. It is, it's burned in the fire. And so there is a, a, a desperate need for us as the branches to remain connected to the source of life to the source of our purpose because we were all made and designed as the branch to bear fruit. That, that was the purpose of the branch. It, it's why the gardener planted the vineyard so that there would be fruitfulness in the vineyard. In, in the same way, you were created with purpose, that you were created for, for fruitfulness. And we can only arrive in that place when we remain in him. We remain connected. And this language of abiding is just this sweet invitation of knowing him. Resting in his presence. Recognizing his nearness. In fact, I would say uh, abiding is, is really at the, the crux of the, the invitation to the, the believer. That as you come to believe upon Jesus for salvation, to come to, into relationship with him and recognize that he is the one that can set you free from the, the addiction and slavery to sin, 
that he, he continues to beckon you into this place of abiding with him, knowing him in an intimate way. We're going to look at that in some different ways this morning, but that's something that we have to be intentional about, something that we have to fight for. I want to share with you a few statistics. Now, I'm, I'm not typically a, a huge statistic guy because I feel like they can kind of be uh, used to, to kind of manipulate it, to, to, deter, to say what somebody wants to say. And so I did my best to, to be accurate on these. But even if these aren't uh, fully true, even if they are partially true, they are scary. Okay, and so I want to read a little bit of the, these statistics from this digital media crazed inter- entertainment driven world that we live in, just a few, and, and you could find many more. On average, the, the smartphone user touches their phone over 2,600 times a day. And I don't think that's separate touches. That's just like uh, every text, every scroll, how many times we're actually touching this thing, numbers in the thousands per day. This is how much attention that, that we, are, we are giving and how aware we are uh, of, of its presence. And, and that's for all cell phone users, uh, the, the, the numbers actually go way up for the younger generations and their use of, uh, of the smartphone. Uh, it says that in a survey that 90% of young adults wake up to their cell phones. And that doesn't mean they've set an alarm on their, their cell phone to wake them up. That means the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is grab the cell phone and see, see what's happening. Whatever it is, the thing that they check, the thing that they go to, uh, the text, the social media, the news, the, whatever it is, it's the, literally the first thing that nine out of 10 young adults go to every morning. Uh, 84% of, of um, uh, smartphone users worldwide say they don't feel like they could go a day without uh, their phones. Um, and, and then you go beyond that, which is maybe even a, 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 a just as big of a time consumer, and that's uh, other forms of entertainment uh, such as Netflix or Hulu and all those kinds of streaming things that we have right at our fingertips. Uh, they they uh, estimate that the average American spends five hours a day watching some form of entertainment. So that's 35 hours a week that's spent, I kind of kept doing the math, that's over 75 days, 24-hour time period in a, in a year that is spent just watching, often people binging things. Netflix reports that uh, the average user watches a, a series or a season in five days uh, with millions every day uh, streaming entire 12-hour seasons in a, in a single day. And so it's just this consumption uh, of, of media and information that, that's hitting us at all times. Uh, they, they say that uh, an annual average, we spend an annual average of just over 3,440 hours uh, in, in the, in, in our, on our digital devices. So that's, that's everything. Uh, and, and so uh, what, one thing I read is that's enough for us to, to read approximately 1,600 books in a year. If we spent all of that time reading a book, we would read 1,600 books in the time that we, we've kind of been devoured by all, all of this information and all this entertainment that we watch. And, and with that, if you fit into that statistic, which I'm hoping many of us in this room do not fit into some of these statistics, but, I, but it, it, if, you, if you do, um, you will see anywhere, and this, this blows my mind, uh, if this is true, anywhere from six to 10,000 ads per day. And that doesn't mean you've engaged with them or clicked on them, but that you've seen them, whether in your periphery or it's come up on your screen and you've scrolled through, uh, obviously that also including any billboards or things that, that you've, you've seen, but, but it is a, a media inundation with, hey, with, with these things in this world vying for your attention, vying for your affection, vying for your, your treasure, your money, your resources. There, there, there is a, a spiritual war that, that, is, that is happening that wants you to judge others, wants you to compare yourselves to others. It wants you to wrestle with insecurity. It wants to puff you up with pride and everything in between. And as I read these statistics and talk about this, doesn't it just feel like the antithesis of abiding? Just reading through the, the, the couple of verses in John 15, it's just like, yes, 
that there's something in us that's like, yes, I just want to abide. I want to receive that invitation of Jesus. There's something so sweet about the invitation to abide, to stay connected with him and, and find life in him. And, and then our anxiety begins to rise as we read these statistics of like watching this and that and going to this. And, and we're not even talking about the, the destructive nature of the content itself. You know, that the, the people, the, the, the content that people are watching and the destructive nature and the, the impurity at, at the end of the day, there, there really is very little that somebody who's wanting to grow in their relationship with Christ, increase in their Christ-likeness, become more like Jesus uh, and be a disciple of him uh, that can really watch and, and be helpful and useful. And that's a whole nother message for us on, on righteousness and purity and hungering after those things. But just in the, in the sense of, of the noise and the cacophony of voices and things pulling your attention and your affection this way and that, we are inundated by. All the while, Jesus beckons us to remain in him and I would say to you that it is impossible if we find ourselves anywhere near these statistics of the time that we're touching our phone or being aware of that. It's like God, God is the one that is, is, that is all present, that is ever present. And yet we've allowed uh, this device so often to be the thing that's ever present that we're ever aware of, ever constant of, of the way it moves or it vibrates or it rings, rather than us being ever aware of the way that he moves and the way that he stirs and the way that he speaks. And it's convicting because he beckons us to abide, to remain in, in him. And, uh, and, and there, it's, there's these little moments that are being stolen from us. These little moments where we have an opportunity to, to pray, just to connect with God in prayer. Little moments to intercede for another. Little moments just to, to hear his voice. To be encouraged by the Father. But rather we are looking somewhere else to, to dull the pain or to, so maybe we don't have to listen to the, the, what's going on inside of us or where we're looking for another voice uh, for, for a place of encouragement or, or, or uh, justification rather than from the heart of the Father. And I believe that there is a cry that we want to hear today that is proceeding forth from the mouth of our Father in heaven saying, won't you come and abide with my son? It's good there. There's life there. There's fruitfulness there. If you feel like you're dying and withering on the vine, if you're wondering what in the world was Jesus talking about when he said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full, and you're like, it's escaping me, I think the question we would have to ask ourselves is, are we abiding? Are we remaining? Are we in tune with, with his movements and his stirrings, with his voice? Man, it's what I long for. I, I remember God teaching me about this back when I was in college where, where you know, you're walking on this, this, this uh, large campus and, um, and I, I remember having both of these experiences where, where I could be walking down uh, the, the campus or in the cafeteria or whatever and, and feeling insecure, feeling like, man, I, I don't measure up. I don't, I don't fit in. Uh, you know, you could look at different groups of people and say, they've got it going on, which you really don't actually know that. You're just kind of trying, you're looking at them and perceiving different things. And so you're feeling insecure. There's also times I remember walking across campus with a buddy and, uh, and having four or five people say hey to me because I had, I'd met them here or there and feeling kind of puffed up like, oh yeah, that's right. Everybody here knows me. I'm big man on campus kind of thing, which it's not, was not true at all. But you just kind of allow those things to, and, and God said, God really challenged me to, why don't you, instead of kind of being in that mess or wherever in between and consumed with, with you and how people feel about you or how you feel about yourself, what if you started abiding with me and praying for your campus and asking me what my heart was for those people uh, that, that you're walking by and not just trying to evaluate yourself and, 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 and your own security. And, and, and that's a practice that I, that I begin to, to put into place. Like, okay, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna pray today. I'm, I'm going to intentionally walk alone today just so, so I can pray. Or I, I'm going to ask him what, what he's doing and what he's speaking and how I can be involved with what he's doing because this is what we know about God. 
He loves people. There, there, there are no people that are too distant. There, there, there are no people that have done so many wrong things or rebellious things or sinful things that he does not pursue them with, with open arms of loving kindness, with a heart and desire to pull them out of that lifestyle and show them life and life to the full. And it's so fun to partner with him in that as you heard some of these, these guys sharing up here this morning or as we prayed over Lily to send her out. Just this heart, I want people to know. He's filled me up so much. I've got, I want other people to know about what he's done in me. And, and we're not advocating for like this monastic life. You know, like this, this monk, if you go find a monastery where you're silent for 18 hours a day and, uh, you know, peeling potatoes in the back for the, the, the other monks, I don't, whatever the, the, the picture there is for you. We're, we're, it's not an invitation to the, the monastic life. We still live in this world. But it is right for us to be aware of the onslaught of, of, the, of the enemy. In fact, uh, there is an author, C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author and theologian who, who wrote a book called The, the Screwtape Letters, kind of a, a satirical type of book where he personified uh, the, the, these different demons to say this was their plans and their strategies. And you kind of read about how, how they tried to, to come against the church and against believers. And, and, and one of the, these, these demons in this book is called Screwtape. It's the, the, the name of the of the, of, the, of the book, and, and he, he says this in the book. He says that the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise and that he will make the whole universe a noise in the end. And he was putting together uh, the, the, the present and the eternal, that God is moving in eternity and he's preparing a place for us to be with him for all eternity. And the present is where uh, the, we, we, we come into contact with, the, with eternity with God, how God is moving in the present, right in front of us, he's wanting to speak. There's things, that, that, ways that he's moving. And so if there can be enough noise in the present, it would distract us from getting in touch with eternity and what God, and what the things that are on God's heart. And so here's how Jesus addressed this. In, in, again, in John chapter 17, uh, he's praying. And in, in, in this prayer, he's praying for us. So, so what we'll find is, is him speaking to God the Father, saying this, I have given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you have taken them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So it's this prayer that Jesus prays for you, not that you would be re removed from the world. It's not time for you to, to, to go home and be with him in heaven forever, but that while you're here in this world, that you would be protected, that you would be in the world, but not of the world. It's maybe a phrase that you've heard before. And, and this is where it comes from, this prayer of Jesus. And really, it's, it's quite uh, remarkable that, that Jesus would say that, that they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Something I would love is for Jesus to come and stand here in front of us and look around the room, look at you, look at me, and say, wow, you guys are not any more of this world than I am of this world. And it beckons another one of those questions for us when we read scripture and Jesus would speak something like that for us to get really honest with ourselves and say, is that true of me? Particularly as we're talking today about uh, the, the onslaught of, of media and our propensity to, to drown ourselves in it. Uh, it do, do we look just like the world? Do we kind of blend in with a lot of these statistics? Or is there something that God would want to call us to, to remove us from it? Where yes, it's around us, but there is a place of abiding, of quieting our own spirits, of creating physical time carving out time, uh, putting some barriers in our lives so that we might be of those who are not of this world, but who abide in him. That's home. That's the place of peace. It's coming back to what is really important. It's, it's being a, 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 awakened. It's making every 
effort to make Jesus central. In Acts chapter 2, it talked about the believers being devoted to Jesus, being devoted uh, to his ways, being devoted to meeting together with others, being devoted to the, the teachings of Scripture, uh, being, being devoted to prayer, uh, to, to remembering what Jesus had done, all of these things. And it says that, that as they were devoted to these things, that, that there were signs and wonders. God was moving miraculously in their midst. And not only that, there were people every day saying, I want what you have. I want what you have. And, and I believe that our world our, is moving to that place as they find themselves drowning without, without a grip on reality. And there's so many voices. And what do I believe? And, and I, I'm drowning myself in entertainment because I don't want to deal with the, the real stuff going on inside or whatever it may be. That There, there is a, a world that is looking for a people that have found found a place of peace, of joy, of, of freedom uh, from, from all that surrounds us. And, and that's what God is calling us to. It's what Jesus was praying over us. They are not of this world, but my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one, protect them from the, the strategies of the evil one to, to distract, uh, to, to, to deceive, and, and um, to, to cause to be uh, discouraged or depressed. And so we were believing that that's what God wants to do. You know, this, um, this weekend, actually yesterday afternoon, I did the funeral of my grandfather. And he lived a, a, a long, full life. And so we were, were celebrating his life. And, and yet at the same time, there's also grieving. There's grieving that's happening. There's, uh, there's memories that, that are, that are uh, coming up to the surface. And, and uh, more than any of that, I think when you're in that room, and, and, and as I had the opportunity to speak to the, the people in that room, there is a nearness to eternity that you don't have every day. A, a nearness to, to, to eternity, uh, uh, the reality of the, the shortness of this life, frailty, the, the grace of God that gives us every breath that we breathe, and there is a, a slowing. There is for, for those moments in, in this environment with the people that, that knew him, uh, family members, friends, friends of, of, of some of his family that, that would have gathered there, there is a soberness to life and, and, and what are we really living for? It's like a, a, a moment, a, a window into the soul, the, the reality of, of, a, of a life that, that is, is perishing and, and an eternity that is before us. And I think even as we think about this digital age that we live in and all that we have the opportunity to consume and to fill our minds with, to, to remember in the midst of that, that, that we are living for eternity. Not the pleasures of now, not the, the fulfillment that can be brought in, in anything that we might buy in one of those thousands of ads that we see, but the fulfillment that is found only in knowing Christ and knowing that we were created not just for the, the few years that we will live on this earth, but we were created to, to know and be with him for eternity. And it's in the soberness of those moments that some of those realities, and it's, it's a soberness that I wish we could get to a little more often. A soberness where it's like, this is what I want to live in light of eternity. You know, one thing that I found in, in doing funerals and, and being a part of some of those things is that um, really it's usually the, the best things that get highlighted in, in, in any individual, though we know every individual has flaws, Right? It's those best things. And I, and I found myself just saying, I, I hope that, uh, and I'm not saying this happened with my grandfather, but I'm just saying, God, I want to live a life where, uh, you know, people don't have to come up with the good things, you know, like try real hard to remember, but, but, but rather to be able to just fully say this was who he was. 
and he gave himself to the purposes of Christ. He loved the, the people that were right in front of him. He laid his life down for his wife. He cherished his kids and trained them up in godliness and righteousness. Let that be uh, something that's so easy to be said, that he lived in light of eternity. He was prepared for this day, much like we read about Paul in 2 Timothy, like, I, I, I'm ready. Like, I fought, the, I fought the fight, I've run the race. Now in store for me is the crown of righteousness. He's calling us back and into that place of sobriety. You know, even though we planned this sermon before we even took our sabbatical, uh, it was something that God actually really began to speak to us and, and, and bring a place of fresh conviction for us as a family. And so I wanted to invite Joy, uh, my beautiful wife of 18 years today, um, who... Um, We've, we've just had the privilege of being in this together from, from the beginning, um, but I wanted to invite her to come up and just share some of the places of conviction uh, that the Holy Spirit was bringing to her during our time away. Yeah, so I, um, as I got up here to share in the first service, I found my heart racing, um, which is not typical for me, really. When I speak in front of people, I feel like there is a weight um, on this word that God's wanting to, to bring today, but it's something that I'm personally um, experiencing. It's, it's it come from a place of testimony, and as we are a people that love authenticity and love to be real, I'm going to be very real and very vulnerable and authentic with you as much as I can um, as I share this. But um, as, we, as we left on sabbatical, um, I, I, I found myself having a pretty hard time actually shutting down, actually turning off each one of those things. I was like looking for the reset button. Why is this taking so long? And um, about, uh, as with about a month left, uh, we were kind of getting away with just our family, no extended family. It was just going to be our, our nuclear family. And Travis had, had the thought, he said, I, I, I really feel like God's urging us to kind of turn, turn off all media. So for our kids, no devices, no movies, no anything. Um, and for us, we did our best to kind of turn everything off. We had to, obviously there were some practical things with extended family and whatever, but try as best we could to, to kind of go on airplane mode, to go, go remote. Well, as that happened, um, I began to, to engage with God in a way, in an undistracted way that I hadn't in a very long time. Um, I was looking back through my journal uh, as we were closing up our time, and I try to, when I'm spending time with God and I'm journaling, I try to write in red pen when I feel like God's highlighting something or he's kind of speaking. And as I looked back through and thumbed back through my journal, I realized there are, there's a lot more red pen as this month went on. Um, I, his voice was becoming so much more clear. I, I could hear him. I could, I could connect with him in such an, an easier way. And um, so as we kind of transitioned out of sabbatical and we jumped back into full on life and all the things that, that entails to get ready for our kids back going back to school and all those things, I realized, okay, I don't, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to actually walk this thing out. I've got to really begin to press in. So I started reading some different things about our phones and how they connected. I, I connected the dots. Like I can hear God's voice when I'm not so attached to this phone all the time. And as I began reading it, I was like, I think I'm actually addicted to my phone. Like, I think I actually, I, I read um, that most people, the average time that they not just touch their phone, but pick up their phone, like go to grab it out of their pocket is like every five to 10 minutes. And I was like, that's a hundred percent me. Like a hundred percent. I, I may be even more frequent than that. And if, and I think with, with young people, I'm sure that average is even lower. Like I think sometimes it's like every 60 seconds they're grabbing for their phone. And, um, I was like, Oh my goodness, how is that? I'm wanting to be engaged with God and engage with my people and engage with the, my kids, but they've got about five to 10 minutes before I'm going to be distracted. Or, or maybe they have two to three minutes before I'm going to reach for my phone again. I've, I've even done things like detached my, my phone. My, my text messages can't come through on my watch. So I'm like, maybe that'll help. Maybe then I won't grab for it as much. Maybe I won't. But there's still something. There's this like addiction that my phone, my, my brain just keeps going, well, what's going on? Or who needs me? Or, or who maybe texted? Or I need to maybe check my email. Or, or what's, what's actually happening? And, and yes, there's things to take care of in life. And yes, there's things we have to be responsible for 
for and there's jobs and there's different things. But the level of addiction that I realized I had with this, with this picking up of my phone, I, I'm like, how am I going to hear the voice of God if I'm engaging with the entire world at my fingertips every five to 10 minutes? It's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to hear his voice. I, 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 my, my oldest child was born the year the smartphone came out. So my kids don't know a mom without a smartphone. And they for sure don't know their own world without a smartphone. I mean, not that we've given them to them at an early age, but they, they, their, their whole world, they've lived their entire life in the digital age. And so we're going, what does it actually look like to do this differently? I wanna hear the voice of God. I wanna be engaged. I love him. I love what he's saying. I love when he speaks. I love intimacy with him. I love to engage with him. I love to worship. I wanna know where he's going and I wanna go there. But I can't hear his voice when I'm constantly engaged with this other thing. That's, that's, that's the world and it's people that we love, but it's just this accessibility is through the roof, through our phone. So I'd made a few steps along the way, um, kind of in the last couple years, um, knowing this is the way our world is going. This is the way I am going. I have this like longing to like engage with this thing. And um, I actually have read a little bit about how neurobiologically that actually happens. Like your phone, the colors on your phone, the way they actually design the phone is so that you do want to go back to it. Like these dopamine hits that we keep getting with our phone. So um, I changed my phone um, to grayscale mode. Like I don't want the dopamine addiction hitting me from the colors on my phone will go back to like what my computer looked like in middle school. Like I don't even care. It's going to look like a newspaper, you know, these different things to make these radical choices. But a few years or maybe 18 months to two years back, I, I kind of had a similar experience and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take social media off of my phone and I'm going to, I'm going to set these, these time limits for my phone, which I was like, why does, why does Apple or Google or whoever do that? Like you would think that would not be good for their business. Well, it's because they know it's not going to make any difference if we set these time limits for our, for ourselves. And then we can say, remind me later, or can I have one more minute or forget until tomorrow or whatever it is that you can you can have on your phone. Like, I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself to not just keep pushing through the addiction. And um, so I, I'd taken social media off and I'd, I'd taken these different notifications that always come through or taken any apps that aren't necessary or that are just distractions off of my phone to say, okay, I really just got to hone in. But still there's something deep in my heart, even as I transitioned into sabbatical and I'd already done those things. I'm like, why do I still, why am I still drawn to it? So I speak to you today in the middle of the battle. I'm in the middle of figuring out how in the world do I engage with Jesus himself and the people around me and not always my phone all the time. How do I do it? What does it look like? I, I've asked the Lord, bring me conviction. The other day I was, I was actually giving a similar message to our staff and my phone is going off. So I'm after, after our meeting, I'm checking my messages and someone says, oh, what about this email or did you get it? So I'm in the car, I'm at the stoplight. I pick up my phone and I'm checking my email at, my stop, at the stoplight. I'm like, what? What is wrong? How is it that I can't just sit and be with Jesus at a stoplight or engage with the kids in my car at a stoplight? We don't anymore know how to just sit in the waiting room of a doctor's office and just enjoy what's around us or engage with Jesus and what he's saying. We, don't, we go, to the, go to the bathroom with our phones. It's like there's not ever a spot where we're not with our phone. It's this frenetic pace of my mind because I'm constantly engaging. It could be news or it could be my email or it could be text messages or, or whatever it is, but it's figuring out what are my boundaries? How do I set them so I can engage the, the big things that matter in my life, connecting with Jesus and the people that are right in front of me? How do I, how do, I do that and not be distracted from them and not be able to, and constantly having this, the, the hits of these things that some of which are valuable and really matter and some of which I actually don't care what the royal family did today, but it's on my newsfeed, you know? It's just like, and then I'm reading all about the royal family. I don't even, what? Like, that's not actually something I want to engage with. And so um, they are kind of interesting, but um, but, but I, I think, you know, the, the more and more I've, I've walked through this, I'm like, I want to be able to hear Jesus. I want to be able to hear his voice. I want to be able to hear my kids that are right in front of me that are asking me a question. I want to be able to know what are the needs that are going on. I don't want to be distracted from that. I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, oh yeah, there's your six, seven, eight, whatever hours a day you spend on your phone. I want to go, I engaged with my people and I engaged with Jesus. So I'm on a journey with you. How do we turn that down that we might hear the voice of God?
you know, uh, I hope what you're, you're hearing today is just, I mean, first of all, there, there's something very practical that, that is ever present in the world that we live in. And there's a heart that God's given us as, as a people to, to walk closely with him, to be an authentic people who, who, who love Jesus and increase in our love and devotion to him. And I think this, the, the digital uh, age that we're, we're talking about is, is, is an antithetical in many regards to that pursuit. Again, there, there are positives. There, there are things that, that we are able to utilize in, in, in the digital age. But how do we live in, in this world but not be given to it? not be enslaved by it, because I, I think that's, that's its very intention, and that would be certainly the desire of the enemy. One of the mantras of my life has uh, been out of Galatians 5.25, and, and it just goes something like this in my head uh, very regularly. It just, God, I want to stay in step with your spirit just kind of in, in any kind of juncture in the day or things that are going on or decisions that need to be made or maybe no decisions that need to be made, just, just going through my day, just, God, I want to stay in step with your spirit today. I want to be somebody who's sensitive to your, your spirit's leading and know where you're stepping and know the pace at which you're going. And, and, and I believe that that's something that God is, is beckoning us into. And I want to read both of these verses in just a second. But but um, the, the staying in step with the Spirit is also something I want to do on, on a regular basis. Not just a, a Sunday, then another big step to Sunday, or a, a step from, from Christmas to Easter, or a step, for, you know, wh- whatever these steps are in life decisions, where do I go to college, or uh, wh- where, who should I marry, what career do I want, what, how, you know, these bigger decisions in life, and just these huge steps of like, oh, I want to stay in step, God, what are you doing? In, in fact, I, I saw a lot of people at this funeral that um, that I was at, a lot of family members that I don't see often at all. Some I was even meeting for the first time, others I hadn't seen in years. They're kind of uh, maybe like Christmas card relatives that, that you, you see their Christmas card maybe if they send one out. Uh, you see them at a wedding, maybe you see them at a funeral, maybe you talk about a family reunion you went to as a kid. And, and so you, you know who they are, you, you know what they look like, you, you've had some experiences with them, but you're, you're not walking through life with them. I don't know the ins and outs of their lives. I don't know the way they, they make decisions. I don't know all their kids' names even or whatever else it might be. And, and all too often, that's how we try to stay in step with the Spirit. But I'm believing that God wants to put a, a longing in us that just that, that, that desires the moment by moment staying in step in, in the mundane of life. Just, just the, little, the little things in life, just the days when nothing happens or the, the times when yeah, we, we trip up a little bit and the times we fall flat on our face, the, the, the little trivial things we find joy in on any given day or the great celebrations that we have in life and in and through it all, we've just abided, remained, we've stayed in step. We have the opportunity to look back on our life and say, I, I know his voice. I know the sound of his breath, his movements. And I love being with him and, and walking with him in those ways. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I want that to be our prayer as we finish up this morning. It's out of Psalm 86, 11, and I want to read it again. In fact, why don't you just close your eyes with me for a moment and let it be your prayer. As I say it out loud, just, just right there where you are, if it's in your heart, why don't you just pray it out to God. Teach me your way, Lord. Your way. Teach us, God. Just your way, how to navigate life through this world that we live in and the cacophony of noises and voices and opinions. And teach us your ways, Lord. 
that we might rely on you, your faithfulness. Won't you become our go-to? We rely on your faithfulness, your character, your goodness, that we wouldn't rely on getting our needs met in these other places, but that we might rely upon your faithfulness. God, give us an undivided heart. Fully devoted to you. Not divided between the pleasures and pursuits of this world and you, but undivided in our devotion and our heart for you that we might fear your name. And so this morning as we take some time to respond to God, what is it that needs to be crucified so that we might live by the Spirit? I never read that Galatians 5.24, but I was convicted in thinking of the word of staying in step with the Spirit when the verse right before it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions that they might walk in the Spirit. There's a road of maturity in that. There's a road of of having to make hard decisions that we might walk in the Spirit. So what are some of those hard decisions? What are some of those those things that, that need to be laid down before Him? That we might stay in step with Him? What needs to be offered up to Him so, so that we can walk in that way? So we might have an undivided heart. I want to invite you to stand with me as we respond to Him today. Our ministry team is going to be down here in the front. And, and just like I, I say most every Sunday, if there is anything, and, and I really mean that, anything that you need prayer for today, come up here and receive prayer. I, I, mean, I mean, honestly, I had a guy last week that came down and said, I don't have anything specific, but you were offering prayer, and like, man, I just... I need that. I need, I need more of God. I don't know what specifically. And, and I'd love for that to be more of our heart as a people. Like, yes, prayer is being offered. Like, I believe in prayer. I believe in getting in one another's boats. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm believing and hoping that we need to grow our ministry team. You know, because it's like we, people are just saying, we, we, want, we want to be prayed for because we're believing for God to move. So if you need prayer for anything, even if it feels small and insignificant, or if it's really huge and very significant in your life, we would love to just pray for you and believe God alongside of you. Also, uh, as always, the front is open up. If you need to come down and just do business with God and get on your knees, you come and do that. It's this kind of this symbol of like surrender. And here I come. I'm moving forward. I'm coming out of my seat. I need you, God. Maybe you want to come and you're literally in a very practical way. Just I'm putting my cell phone down there. And I'm just, and you don't have to leave it. You can take it with you as you go. But just like, just as a symbol. Like I just, I just put it down there and just saying, God, I, I give it to you. Or would you help me? Would you give me grace? And that we would respond in whatever practical ways that God is giving us and if today God is stirring in you just a, a love for you as we talk just briefly about the, the forgiveness of sins and God making a way for us to know him if that's something that's stirring in you we'd love to talk with you and pray with you about how you can know and have a relationship with Christ today but don't leave this place whatever it is that God's stirring in you uh, without responding to